Hi, I'm Rachel Messer, and you're listening to the Sound Architect Podcast. And thanks for joining us today, Rachel. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, really well, thank you. Enjoying the uh, typical British weather over here. I'm sure it's much nicer there. Uh, it's, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems to be very hot recently over there and nonstop. Mm-hmm. Now, you've been very busy recently, haven't you? For the benefit of our listeners, just give us a quick recap of some of the projects you've been involved in. Um, some of the stuff I've been in, some anime, I've been in Fairy Tales, Sankarea, Day to Live, Red Data Girl. Um, but I tend to specifically do a lot of video games. And I think the main ones would be like Yandere Simulator, System Shock, Warframe, Epistory, Heroes of New Earth. Those are the ones that tend to get most recognized. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few there. So you've been doing really well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so let's go back to the beginning. How did your journey into voice acting begin? Um, I was a theater major in college. And I was about three years into my four-year degree when I realized that um, there weren't a whole lot of hiring opportunities. Um, I could go to New York and try to do theater um, and try and get on Broadway, but I have friends on Broadway. And even though it pays really, really well, they still have to work day jobs because it's really expensive to live in New York. Yeah. Um, or I could go to L.A. and try and do film work. But as much as I love film, I don't like being in a film only community um not to say that it, there's voice over there and there's theater but most people move there to get into film yeah um and so i was complaining to a friend about it and he just goes oh you should just do voice acting you do a whole bunch of weird voices it'll be great for you <laughs> <laughs> and so i was like ah oh, i'm going to take that as a compliment and i went home and i uh, i googled voice acting auditions and that's how i got into it i am a walking advertisement for Google. I just need them to just start paying me for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully they were intentionally weird voices, you know, rather than yeah, just hopefully. how you sound. <laughs> so was there a particularly big turning point in your career that you'd say really kind of kicked off the voice acting side of things? Um, I mean, maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say working when I first started working for Funimation, that was a pretty big step up just because it helped me move from, you know, a hobbyist to professional. Yeah. Um, but I haven't had any huge, like, this was that moment, uh, moments. Everything has just been a very slow, steady build, which I think I've liked because it's given me time to adjust. And rather than going from not recording more than once a week to recording every day, like I do now, I had a steady build into it rather than just jumping. Yeah, yeah. Well, it must be nice to kind of ease into it rather than just be forced straight into it. Mm -hmm. Now, you say you record from home every day, so that must be quite cool. <laughs> uh, it is. I've got my own home studio in an extra room uh, in my house. And so it's really, really nice because I get a lot of last minute auditions. Um, I think on the 4th of July at seven o'clock at night, somebody sent me an, e uh, an email for an audition for a video game. They said, we need this before midnight. Oh, wow. And yeah, there's fireworks going off. There's all kinds <laughs> yeah. of crazy things. I'm like, I'm going to try. Yeah, it's 4th of July on the evening. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I live in a neighborhood. And so my, my studio is soundproof, but it's the room closest to the street where everybody would be setting off bottle rockets and there's explosions going on. And I don't have a studio that can withstand explosions and not get something picked up. I don't think many people would have a studio that could <laughs> withstand explosions yeah. without picking up anything. Especially when they're like right above your house. 
Yeah, and like all around, like yeah. everywhere. It's not like it's just one noise that's going to go away in a minute. It's it's mm-hmm. fireworks everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it's wonderful to to be able to just walk into another room and start recording rather than having to drive down somewhere or set something up. Yeah, sure. I mean, do you go to studios as well or do you just record from home at the moment? There are some, like Funimation requires you to travel to their studio. Um, I've done a few commercials that require me to travel, um, but I end up only having to go to Dallas, which is a three-hour drive from where I'm actually at. Okay, it's not too bad. Mm -mm. So I was going to ask if there was anything that had been most challenging so far. So apart from the 4th of July, (laughs) what has been the most challenging moment in your career so far? Oh, that's a really good question. I think the the most challenging moment for me was um, like there was a time where I was doing professional work, but I was also still trying to do free projects. Yeah. Um, and I, people would be emailing me asking me to play roles, and I felt awful turning down roles, um, especially because in this career you don't know when your next opportunity is going to come up or your next job. And there's a lot of free projects um, that take off and they get huge amounts of fans and exposure and other games will cast people based off those free games yeah um and so i was like well what if this is the project that i turned down and it blows up six months from now and i'm going man i wish i'd been a part of that um and so i was absolutely killing myself trying to record all the paid projects and all the free projects and i'd be in my studio from 8 a.m to like midnight recording every single day Um, And I think the most challenging part was when I had to realize that I don't have to take on every single role because it starts to kill your ambition and your drive and you don't have as much passion behind it anymore. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, it's quite a big topic, actually, working for exposure. I mean, a lot of people obviously are very against it. And Mm -hmm. I completely agree that no one should work for free, per se. Mm -hmm. But it's really difficult, especially with voice acting, like you say, where you don't know if that's going to be the one project that does take off i mean so do you still do any free projects at the moment i do um i recorded two of them yesterday um i have no problem with exposure when it's a free project like when a game is just going to be a free-to-play game and it's just going to go out there then you know i have done work for free-to-play games where they pay me for my time or for my recording Um, But if somebody is casting something and they say, hey, we don't have any budget because this game is going to be free and not make money, then I have no problem taking part in it. It's the projects where they go, we're going to release this on PC or on Steam for 15 bucks to play the game and we aren't going to pay you anything. Yeah, Um, I mean, because they are going to make a profit off of it. Of course they are. And that's kind of my bugbear is my kind of philosophy on it. If no one's getting paid, then that's kind of fair enough. But if someone's getting paid, then everyone should get paid. Right. You know, because free work is one of those really controversial subjects. But I mean, how do you how do you decide which free projects are worth your time? Um, I, right now I've been going by um, how much I like the character and then how many lines it'll take to record. Because if it's just a free project and I can record it in 20 minutes and send it off, then I can I can spare that time. But if it's something where um, the most recent project I had to turn down was... I think the character had a thousand lines Whoa. and it was for free. Yeah, it's like, a lot just, for free. Yeah, I can't I can't spare that much time and it takes away from um it takes away from my paying work and it takes away from me finding auditions and then um it's a lot of screaming and yelling characters and those will wear down the voice. Oh, that's even more yeah. intense, yeah. 
That's really harsh to ask that much from you. I mean, that's kind of a recent topic in the voice acting industry in general, isn't it? The health of the voice and, you know, how, mm-hmm. how different it is for roles where you have to scream or shout or do more things like that. Mm-hmm. How how have you found the industry so far reacting to things like that? I mean, it seems to be developing more and understanding more. I know um, SAG is talking about striking because of uh, they want extra money for Um, If you've been screaming in a studio for a certain amount of time, which makes a lot of sense, because if um, like right now, you probably can't tell it. If somebody goes and they look at my normal voice, my voice right now is currently lower and it's got a little bit of um, like graveliness to it uh, because I was screaming in an audition for 20 minutes uh, before this this podcast. Oh, wow. Um, And so it lowers your voice and it does a little bit different. So if I wanted to try and record a little kid right now it's going to sound more forced than my normal voice would. Yeah. Um, And if, you know, if you imagine that's just from 20 minutes of screaming, if I'd been screaming for say three hours for a video game, Oh God. Then my voice would be shot for the next two days and I would lose work because somebody might, I might record on Tuesday and my voice is shot, you know, Wednesday, Thursday. And somebody calls me on Wednesday and says, Hey, we need this voice and I can't do it. Yeah, I mean, it's really harsh. They must be introducing some sort of maximum time um, for screaming and stuff. They must be kind of bringing more things in place. I think I haven't, uh, I am not part of the union, but I've looked at some of the stuff and I know they're trying to get that after a certain time period of yelling, you have to pay extra for it. Yeah, and a lot of people may have heard of the union and SAG-AFTRA and things like that. Mm-hmm. What does it actually mean? Like for people who maybe don't know much about it, you know, you're either a union or non-union actor, but what does that mean? I am probably the worst person to ask that question to. Um, I don't know a whole bunch about it because I've really not ever had the ambition to join it. If I did, I would join it for the whole film aspect of it and not for voiceover. Um, I work in what is called a free-to-work state or a right-to-work state. Um, And so basically that means that um, I can do union or non-union work without being part of the union or even if I am part of the union, I can still do non-union work because it doesn't. And people are going to fact check me on this. I might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> These are things that I've been told from others. Um, but because I'm in this state, the union rules in California don't apply to me. So there are a lot of um, video game companies and even some anime companies and animation companies that have started kind of outsourcing their auditions. So rather than having local California talent, they know that they can get uh, talent in uh, Texas or Oklahoma or any of the other right-to-work states, and they aren't going to have to go through the union, oh, um, okay. which means occasionally they can pay you less because union, if you are part of a union, uh, the union, and you get a voiceover job, then they have to pay you those union rates. Right, okay. But I've noticed some jobs will pay you more than union fees just because they don't have to go through the union. Okay, so it's quite an interesting way of working then. There's quite a lot to consider when you Mm -hmm. consider the union. Um, What state are you based in then, if you don't mind me asking? I'm in Oklahoma right now. Okay, cool. So that's obviously got very different rules of working to California, for example, like you say. Yeah. So does that affect voice acting for you in any other way? Um, I mean, I've... Recently, I'm working on a a project right now where they're doing motion capture. Um, And they keep trying to get me, they keep asking if I'm in California because they already cast me as the voice. 
and they want me to come in and actually just do the motion capture thing. And so they're like, can you be here Monday? And it's Saturday. And I'm like, uh, I could if I had a couple more weeks notice. So I take it you'd have to fly, would you? Yes. Um, which I have no problem. I travel a lot. Um, I think in June I was home for a total of nine days. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and so it was really hard because I had to condense an entire month's worth of VO into nine days of the month. Uh, it's so it's, I go out to New York. I go to Texas a lot. Um, I go to California, I think in twice in October. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Whereabouts in California? You're going to LA, I take it. Uh, yeah, LA and then, uh, LA both times. But at one point I'm driving to, they have me teaching at a university for a weekend. And so they have me going to a school like 45 minutes. I think it's west of LA, but I'm going to stay in LA and just talk to some voiceover friends. Yeah, good plan. <laughs> <laughs> so we spoke a lot about the challenging parts of voice acting. So let's just kind of go on the flip side then and bring it up a notch. And uh, <laughs> what's been the proudest moment so far? Oh, goodness. I'm really proud of System Shock right now. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. Um, that's just, it's a anything revolving or even close to Bioshock. I'm ecstatic. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> awesome game series to be related to, isn't it? It is. Um, and then I think another proud moment was I was signing autographs at a convention and a girl came up dressed in, as uh, Yandere-chan in Yandere Simulator. And she found out who I was in the the game and she freaked out and had me sign her knife. And it was just cool to see somebody cosplaying as a character, not even my character. I haven't, I don't think I've seen any people cosplay as my character yet. Um, but just somebody from one of the projects I was in, I freaked out a little bit. Yeah, that would be really, really cool. I can <laughs> imagine that being really exciting. <laughs> so as you said, you recently announced your role as Rebecca Lansing. Am I saying that right? Yes. In the System Shock demo. So tell us a bit more about that and how you got involved um so i've been working with a uh casting director who's been working on a few different projects and he went to i don't remember the exact convention name but when he was at the convention he met up with the guys at night dive studio and uh he became kind of casting director for um system shock oh awesome and so at uh i think it was like a friday He's like, hey, I need these auditions by Sunday. And I just sat down because I was already in the recording studio when I got the email. And I just sat down and recorded the audition uh, and sent it off. And it was sort of a character that was kind of in my range. I've done a lot of um, 30s to 40s characters um, and especially a lot of um, military-esque characters. Right, yeah. Uh, so I sent it off and it was, I think, Monday and I remembered that I had auditioned on Friday and I went, ah, oh, man, that audition finished casting yesterday and I haven't heard anything. I probably didn't get it. Okay, well, whatever. Um, and the thing is, you can't get every single role. So I just no, went on, not. didn't think about it. Um, and I think it was Thursday or Friday after the audition, I got the the script and they were like, we'd like to cast you as the demo for uh, Rebecca Lansing. Uh, and I was freaking out. Uh, I looked up the game. Uh, I was so nervous. This was probably the most nervous I'd ever been recording. I think I spent an hour recording what is maybe 20 lines <laughs> just for the demo. 
And I was just going on and on and on. And I was messaging the casting director. I was like, okay, here's this. But if you need anything changed, anything at all, like I can fix it immediately. <laughs> and he, he had to like calm me down. He was like, remember, this is just a regular game. You wouldn't freak out this much if it were another, a different project you're working on. So just, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this was, this was from home as well, was it? Yes. Well, yeah, you would be an extra nervous then because you're just there <laughs> like, oh, I can do better. I'll do this better. Oh, oh yeah. Is that good You've enough? got time and you don't have anyone talking to you. So I can't be like, say the line. And they go, oh, that was perfect. That's exactly what we want. Go on. I have to be like, oh, man, what if what if they wanted it but slightly different like this? So now I got to try it like this. Yeah. And then you've got like 20 different edits where you're like, they're not really that different. They're just exactly. slightly different. What do I send? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How many do you end up sending out of like, because obviously you may record more than two or three per line, but you have to decide on the best one. So I'm assuming like about two per line, maybe? Um, I think I actually, for System Shock, because I was so nervous and spent like an hour recording, I narrowed it down to the five different takes. Right. Okay. And then sent it off. Um, and I know I ended up saying a name wrong. And so I had to... Uh, redo a couple take I think I only did like three or four takes of the the name wrong after that um uh, I bet that bothered you more than them huh when you got the name wrong I bet that but you were more bothered than they were that but they were just like oh let's uh, just re-record it and you were like what no uh. <laughs> yeah yeah probably um and you know a lot of games will send out here's how to say the name so I don't think they were mad in the slightest they were just like oh yeah change it to to this way I was like, oh, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> yeah, kicking yourself. <laughs> so I just want to touch back on something you mentioned earlier. You said you're going out to teach in a school somewhere at some point, but don't you do some coaching as well? Yeah, um, I teach basically wherever people want me to teach. Um, I do some free workshops when I'm brought out to a convention. Um, and then I teach and coach online. Um, so I work with, um, a couple different actors. Um, most recently I've been working with an anime actor out in LA. And so when he has an anime audition, he'll help me coach him with that. Um, and so I do private coaching for auditions and recording. I do workshops. I do classes. Um, my favorite one to do via Skype is I have a six week, uh, voice acting boot camp, and oh, nice. it's only a hundred dollars right now. Um, but so like we have six weeks where we meet up on Skype for two hours and it's a small group of us. And like the first week we'll talk about voice acting for video games and then voice acting for anime. And then the week after that, we'll do voice acting for commercials. And so I'll break it down and we spend two hours just focused on this one thing. So it's kind of a exposure to all the fields and also a little bit in depth with them since it is two hours. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I mean, what kind of things do you cover in the two hours for each kind of area? Um, it depends. I know I, with anime, I like to bring in a guest anime voice actor. So uh, oh, I'll nice. message one of my friends and say, hey, do you have an hour to spare? And I'll just let them do a Q&A. But we'll do um, like I think in the second lesson, I talk about changing voices and how to do it without doing vocal damage. And I talk about the psychology of speech and script analysis and how to address a character based off the script and based off the character artwork. I have the, I know the last class I always talk about how to get an agent, where to find agents and agencies and what people are looking for in a demo reel and how to approach certain casting opportunities. Wow. So it's quite a good intense boot camp then. It covers kind of a general <laughs> all round of what you need to know before you, you start voice yeah. acting. 
if somebody's going to pay me with for something, I try to jam pack it with information. No, I'd rather people really walk away going, oh, my gosh, that was so much, than walk away going, I didn't learn a thing. Yeah. Well, there's so many out there. It must be so hard for people to decide what kind of class to take and right. you know, who to go with and why and how. And, you know, there's so many out there, isn't there? It, there, there are. And what's sad is um, there's a lot of scam voiceover teachers, um, people that might have done one or two commercials and now they're teaching and they don't really work a whole bunch or in some cases work at all or have ever done any voiceover. Um, and so it's amazing because those people tend to charge a whole bunch. Like I've seen some people charge 800 or $900 for a single class wow. and they've barely done anything. That's insane. Yeah. I, uh, I was teaching locally and I had a couple uh, voiceover instructors come to me um, and say, hey, you need to raise your prices up. And I tend to teach at like, I teach all different kinds of levels, but most of my classes are for beginners or for intermediate because I don't, I don't want to charge a whole bunch. And I try to help people that want to get into this field that don't know how to. Yeah. And so I was teaching my beginner voice acting class for $35 and it's like a two hour class. And other people were teaching a similar class where they basically, they claimed it was teaching voiceover, but what it really was was Q&A time about their career. Oh, wow. So it wasn't even like, here's how you do it or anything. They were just talking about how they did it. Um, and they were charging $300. I've been uh, addressed by a couple couple different local people saying I should raise my prices because it's making them look bad because people will see me and they'll see my resume and come to me instead. Yeah, and then obviously the price as well. Yeah, but my price has scared many people off um, because professional voice actors will see my, not all of them, but some of them will see my classes and go, oh, that's only, like my, my professional level classes are only 100 or $200. And they'll go, oh, that's only that much. I should be paying 400 or 500 So clearly they don't know what they're doing. Ah, uh, right. That's the danger with pricing, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. I either scare people away from being too low or scare people away from being too high. <laughs> you can't win really, can you? So you might as well just set it with what you're comfortable with and go from there. Right. Now, a lot of people may think there's a lot more voice actors these days because obviously with the online presence, you, you can notice a lot more people. Now, do you think there are a lot more voice actors or do you think because of things like social media, they are just highlighted more? I think it's a, a little bit of both. I think um, within the past... 15 years, heck, maybe 20 years. How old am I? 25? Okay. So yeah, 15 <laughs> to 20 years. Um, you know, I remember it was a big deal when I was a kid to have a computer in the house. Um, yeah. And, you know, you had to play PC games, but you had to do it on the, the CD-ROM and install it in. Um, and now you have games that are more technologically advanced in your phone. I didn't even have a cell phone. I remember having phones that had cords. This is a Rachel talks about the old days podcast now. <laughs> um, but technology has come so far so fast that it's become more easily accessible to get recording equipment and to set up your own little home studio. And then with that, recently games and projects, and I auditioned for Nickelodeon last month, and I've done work for Disney from my home studio. So projects and companies are branching out more and more, and I think that's also part of it. Another thing with social media is there's a lot of hobbyists that post that they're voice actors, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
But it just it gets a little confusing because you can't sort out who's the professionals and who's doing it as a hobby and who's doing fan dubs or, um, you know, little things like that versus doing actual uh, PS4 games or Xbox games. And so it's just a different level, but it's the same name. And I think that's where it confuses people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with the the birth of YouTube and everything, there's a lot of people who have done redubbing and, you know, all this, that and the other. And, it, you know, it's so complicated to try and explain how some of it's voice acting, some of it isn't. Right. And I had, uh, I get auditions all the time where they go, I've never done voice acting before, but I did commentary on my YouTube channel. And it's not yeah. the same thing. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, it's not the same thing. Yeah. And speaking of that, there are a lot of misconceptions with voice acting and it gets compared with what a lot of people wrongly call real acting. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. so many people annoy me when they say that because they'll go, oh no, yeah, but it's not real acting though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> now, apart from that huge misconception, <laughs> what would you say are the other big misconceptions for people who are considering voice acting who are maybe not aware of it? Um. I think, I mean, there's there's that whole thing that you touched on, um, which I run into a whole bunch being somebody who does theater, film, and voiceover. Um, so I'd like to say that I do almost all forms of acting, <laughs> but I have a lot of film people in particular. They go, oh, it's just talking. I can do that. And I, I'm trying to help out one of my friends right now who uh, she's got her stuff set up. And she's like, oh, I do film. I can do this. I got this. Like, it's just talking. I'll be great. I've done voices since I was a kid. And I'm like, but there's more to it than voices. And it's a different medium than than film acting. Uh, and so I'm trying to help her, but she's kind of walking in with a lot of blind arrogance that I can't I can't really shake from her. So I feel like yeah. that's not going to work out too well. Um, but then I've seen, you know, theater and film people jump into voiceover and be super great at it. And I think it's understanding and being able to hear the musicality of speech and um, being able to take direction really well and change it. So I've seen a lot of film actors who just don't use their voice to the extent that they could. And then you put one of them in a booth and they're doing all the faces and they're doing all the movements, but their voice isn't changing. And so they can't figure out why it doesn't sound right. And it's because they're used to having that visual medium to kind of fall back on. I think another common misconception is that it's super easy to jump into. Yeah. Um, and I don't help this misconception since I'm like, oh, I Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a bit more than that, wasn't it, really? You put the work in. You know, yeah, it wasn't just had... like you Googled it and then started doing it. <laughs> and I didn't start out professional. I didn't start out. I was very lucky that I started doing professional work a year later. Uh, but I didn't start out professional in the slightest. I started out recording on an iPod uh, in my car. Wow. So, like really early, I think I still on my YouTube channel, I have the first demo in quotes uh, that I ever <laughs> made. And it's recorded on my phone in a music room at the college I was going to. Uh, and it doesn't have, yeah, it doesn't have any music. Uh, it's, it's a horrible thing, but I keep it on there. One, because that was technically the day I started voice acting. So I can always check the, the date. Um, and two, because I want people who go to my YouTube channel to know that professionals don't start out amazing. We have to, we have to grow. So I like putting the awful place I started at <laughs> and then you can see through the YouTube as how it progressed. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And, uh, you know, it must be irritating, for example, when people 
would say, I don't know, I can do a great impression of such and such. Oh, yes. I can do voice acting. Uh, Yeah. Um, There's this huge misconception that voice acting is just impressions. And so when people ask me what I do, um, normally I just say I'm an actor and I go on. Uh, but sometimes they'll be like, oh, what do you do? Like, what what projects have you been in? And then I have to start listing off video games and explain that I'm not, you know, a film actor per se, um, that I mainly do voice acting. Yeah. And everybody and their mom wants to show me their impressions. Um, I think the ones I get the most are like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Every um, A lot of people have a Daffy Duck or something like that. Oh, wow, really? Uh, a Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Or the the other really common one is Herbert the Pervert from Family Guy. (laughs) (laughs) And so the thing is, they think that because they can do impressions, that they're going to do great in voice acting. But if that were true, every video game and commercial would recycle the same, like, five voices. Yeah, exactly. You know, they've got people for those voices. Exactly. And if they wanted, um, you know, Herbert the Pervert, they could call up. Uh, the voice actor who did it. If they wanted Mickey Mouse, then there's someone playing, there's probably three or four different people playing Mickey Mouse right now on actual Disney shows. Yeah. So they could call up those people. And I understand that there is a market for discount uh, voice actors, for people who aren't the actual voice but sound really close to it. Yeah. But not a whole bunch because you can get sued really easily for that. Well, yeah, because it's almost like an IP ownership, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and copyright and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, all the all the big mess you don't want to get into. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, I I do a bit of voice acting myself, and one of the first things that I usually get asked or friends who do voice acting is, okay, give us a voice then, you know. Oh yes. And you're like, well, <laughs> dance, monkey, dance. Yeah, it doesn't quite work like that. You wouldn't say that to a you know a film actor or a theater actor. Okay, give us a character then. <laughs> oh, they they have. Uh, I, I've seen a couple. My neighbor, uh, I had an actor crashing with me for this was at my this was back in college, actually. Uh, I had an actor crashing with me because he was filming a thing in the city. So he was only there for like two or three days. But my neighbor came over and was like, oh, you're doing you're doing a film. OK, act something for me. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. And the thing is, like I was I was at a party with a couple friends and we're just chilling. We're sitting in the hot tub. And somebody finds out what I do, and they're like, oh, give me five different voices right now. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and so I'm trying to find a nice way to say, okay, well, if I said I was a carpenter, are you going to ask me to make something right now? Yeah. If I was a doctor, would you say, okay, well, they'd probably actually just ask for free medical advice. But you wouldn't say like, okay, do some brain surgery for me. Yeah, I mean, it's funny how people treat it, isn't it? It is, and it's almost like, it, I don't think it's out of disrespect. I think it's out of ignorance that they don't know hey maybe i shouldn't ask them on their time off to immediately start performing for me yeah i mean they just kind of go oh that's a bit fun yeah and you know it's not treated as seriously so normally i just have them like why don't you do five voices for me i want to hear your stuff and they'll they'll go off and they'll have fun (laughs) (laughs) leave them to it (laughs) yeah (laughs) so what would you say is the best advice you could give to someone who's considering a career in voice acting Um, I would say not to put a whole bunch of pressure into trying to become professional quickly. I see a lot of people that they have fun doing it and they like doing it. And then they go, I just, I need to be professional. I need to make money doing this. Um, and that kind of kills it. And it puts a whole bunch of stress on them that isn't necessary. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Um, 
you know, you just do your best in an audition and send it and then forget about it. Don't sit there and check your email constantly or, um, you know, kick yourself and make it your fault that you didn't get the part or whatever like that. Because I see a lot of new voice actors who have potential, who love what they do, and they just put this, this unnecessary stress to become professional and start making money right away. I had a guy come to me at a convention and he goes, I need to, I need to make money doing voice acting and I want to, I want to do this. I said, okay, well, you're going to have to, as awful and cliche as this sounds, you're going to have to spend money to make money. So you're going to have to buy a microphone and buy some sound equipment. And uh, I start going off. He goes, no, 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 we're going to lose our house next month. So I need money now. But I went, then you don't need to be voice acting. Yeah, not right now. Yeah. I was like, if you're going to lose your house, go get a, 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 a job that pays you per hour. Because, you know, people have this misconception. Like, one, when I get paid for voice acting, I rarely get paid the day I finish it. Most of the time, the higher paying projects, I get paid months down the road. I think that's one of those things that people don't know about, you know. They just assume right. that you get paid at the end of the day. <laughs> and they think you get paid a whole bunch for every role, um, which isn't true. Some roles will pay $75 and another will pay $10,000. So there's a whole bunch of financial planning that comes into it because, you know, one month I might make seven grand and the other month I might make $50. Well, uh, probably not $50. I hope I don't have a month <laughs> where I make $50, but the point stands. Tough month. Yeah, right? Really, really <laughs> tough month. Um, especially if I'm recording every day. <laughs> yeah, that'd Something feel really exhausting. Really yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so you have to plan for rainy days and... Um, I was very, very stressed my first year of being self-employed because I was constantly, I wasn't shopping, I wasn't buying anything. I would spend money on food, bills, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. And so all my other jobs, all the money went straight into savings because I knew that I wanted to have, uh, like, if I went two months, like, let's say something god-awful happens and I went two months without working at all. Then I wanted to be make to make sure that I had something so I could keep paying the bills, so that I could keep electric on and keep food in the fridge, or preferably just food in my dog's bowl, because my dog's before me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you got to have that backup fund, you know. You can't right. just kind of live on the edge all the time and then go, "Oh shit," you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, the thing with the the film voice actor that's trying to get into this is, she just goes, "I just need to make more money because I want to quit my job." And I'm just going to I'm going to start making money immediately. And I tried to tell her, I go, you know, it took me a year to start making any money. And I was somebody who got into professional voiceover rather fast. Um, other people have spent four or five years trying to get into professional work. And I was incredibly blessed. And I don't know how luck worked out to where I started after a year. But to think that you can just jump in right away and immediately get two or three hundred dollars a week from this is not a viable idea. Yeah, I think it's, you know, quit the job once you know you've got the money coming in, not not quit the job to get it coming in. Exactly. Um, I, and that's another common problem I see is everybody quits their job and just dives straight into voiceover and maybe they're only getting a job a month and they go, oh, I could just make more money if I was only doing this. But I didn't quit. I had a very, very part-time job. I think I worked nine hours a week. It was really ridiculous. <laughs> um, but I didn't quit that until I realized for three months that I was making double 
what I was making at that day job with voiceover. And so I had three months to make sure that it was consistent, that it wasn't just a fluke and that it was actually happening. And I have incredibly supportive parents who I went to and I said, hey, this is the, these are the finances. This is what's been going on. I want to quit my day job and just do this. And they were super helpful. And they said, okay, we're going to give you four months. And if in this four months you need anything, like maybe you can't pay your bills or you can't pay your rent or you can't get food, then you come to us and we'll spot you the money. But if it doesn't happen after four months, then you go back to having a day job. It's pretty fair. Yeah, it was incredibly supportive. And so I was really lucky that I never had to call them on that. My first month, I made enough to cover everything. Barely. I think there was, at one point, I was $5 short. and was freaking out. <laughs> and I got just another job. And I was like, yes. That would have been an amusing phone call to your parents, though, right? Like, I need $5. $5. <laughs> <laughs> really? Is that all you need? Yep. Yeah, five dollars. Like there was, I know the first two months they came over and uh, there was no food in the fridge, and so they just came back with like a huge truckload of food. They're like, "You're gonna eat." <laughs> Brilliant. Well, parents are ace like that, though, aren't they? Oh, they're wonderful. So we touched on this earlier, but I do want to kind of go back to the the kind of precautions and preparations for looking after your voice. So we mentioned about shouting and screaming, and they're obviously the intense side of things. But just in general as well, there must be things that you do to make sure your voice is okay. I mean, obviously the usual, like not going out partying and drinking loads the <laughs> night before an audition, you know, and things like that. But what are some of the extras that you do? Um, so if I know I'm going to record a lot, I'll kind of be quiet the few days before. Right. And that's the hardest thing about going to conventions is I'll talk for three days. Yeah. I didn't think I talked that much. But my voice is used to being quiet. So when I get home on Monday to record, my voice is got, it kind of sounds like this. So I can't really do a whole bunch on Monday and I have to wait till Tuesday. But aside from just not going around and screaming or that's the main one, I notice people do a lot more damage trying to do voices than they do actually preparation before. Right. Okay. And so they'll pick a voice that sounds cool, but after they record a couple lines for it, it will start to really, really hurt. And I had a student recently come to me and say that, oh, I, I had this voice and I auditioned for it. And they said, it's great, but can you make it lower? And I kept recording in this really low, gravelly voice and it was just killing me to record everything. And I've been in that exact same situation where there was a cartoon where I had to record and I had to keep making it lower and lower to do this voice. Yeah. And finally I, I told him, I said, hey, so here's the deal. I'm going to record five minutes a day with this voice. So it'll take me a little while to get the the lines to you. But this is doing absolute damage to my voice. I'll be hoarse two minutes after I've been trying to record this. So I can only do five minutes at a time. And that's not uncommon. There's a couple other voice actors I know in anime and cartoons where they have to do a voice and they'll have to take a break. Um, I know the voice actors for Dragon Ball Z just because it's so much screaming. So intense all the time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. They had to take frequent breaks just to make sure that they didn't lose their voice. And I know there were like a ridiculous amount of actors that fainted in the studio. Oh, wow. Because they were screaming for so long and they would just go lightheaded and faint. Whoa. Yeah. So what I normally tell people is just if you're doing a voice and it hurts to stop doing it, there's no... Because you can cause permanent damage. Um, when you're speaking, your vocal cords vibrate back and forth. And that's kind of what makes sound is the vibration. And so 
occasionally these vocal cords will bang together, which isn't a huge problem. And that's why, you know, if you try and talk without breath, you're not going to make any sound. You need the breath to push the vocal cords open and to help with that vibration. Yeah. But every now and then, if you're not fully supported and if you don't have enough breath behind your words, it's going to cause the vocal cords to bang together, which causes this kind of croaky frog light sound. It's called vocal fry. And I'm, I can kind of talk in it right now, but uh, it's like the new Kardashian sound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's god awful. That's the only time I will ever reference that family. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it causes vocal damage. And if you keep doing that for a long amount, a long period of time, you will get permanent damage and you won't be able to hit certain notes. You won't yeah. be able to sing certain notes or do certain voices. So that's why I try to tell people that there's no voice that you're doing that is worth doing permanent damage later on down the road. Yeah, and I suppose one of the first things, you know, is know your own voice. You've got to learn what you can and can't do, right? Right. So what would you recommend to find your boundaries without pushing them too hard? I would say that if you're going to try and find your boundaries, you should first do vocal warm-ups. You can find, there's stuff for actors on there. Uh, if you're going to do that specific route, I would say that you should actually look up singing warm-ups. Right, okay. And that will, um, if you take even just a, the first singing class you take, if it's a private lesson, what the teacher will do is go through a scale with you on the piano and see where's your highest note and where's your lowest note. And so then you know where you're, like I, I took singing lessons and I would be singing and going up and up and then my voice would break. And I wouldn't be, I would be trying to make a sound and it wouldn't come out. And so I knew, ah, there's no way in heck I can do that note. So it's just realizing that and realizing how low you can go. And then they'll actually give you a physical representation of this is your range. This is where you can, these are the notes you can hit. Fantastic. So let's talk a bit more about your future now and what you can actually tell us about it. So <laughs> what, what lies in the future for you now and what, what you're allowed to say to us? So I'm still working on Yen Dairy Simulator because there's new lines that are coming out all the time for that. Awesome. I know some future games that are going to be released are Lucid 9, Bloody Chronicles, Just Desserts comes out. I think Just Desserts comes out this month, actually. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, there's another game called Ruffled Book of Demons. I think their alpha comes out at the end of July, and I'm two characters in that, and it should be on Xbox. Oh, awesome. Anima Gates of Memories just came out, and I'm a small role in that. But then there's going to be a second one, so I have a part in that as well. And then there's a really cool uh, PS4 game called Get Even that is coming out soon. Oh, fantastic. So loads coming out. Yes, a whole bunch of video games. <laughs> yeah, and I'm assuming there's quite a bit that is still NDA that you can't tell us about as well. Oh, yeah. There's there's things I recorded yesterday that I'm like, oh, I want to announce that. And I, <laughs> yeah. System Shock, I was really lucky because I only had to sit on that knowledge for like two months, I think. Oh, maybe. that's not too bad. <laughs> no, not at all. Because some of these projects, like Book of Demons, I recorded almost a year ago. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you hear like different stories. I mean, some of them are like even two years, I think, right. with, with how long games are in development. You know, it could be any time. It's crazy. Yeah, get it, get even. We recorded back in December and early January, um, so that's seven months, uh, and it's still not completely out. They've got like clips out, but not, and it looks gorgeous. Oh, it's so pretty. <laughs> we'll have to keep an eye out for it then. <laughs> yes, please do. 
So is there anything that you haven't been in yet that you would love to be in? Like one of your favorite series of either a game or an animation? I would love to be in Pokemon. Yes. I would also love to be in Sailor Moon, but I think that's already... I haven't followed up with Crystal or the new dub, but I'm pretty sure it's close to done. So I'm going to count my chances out for that. (laughs) Well, you never know. (laughs) Right. But I'm still counting on Pokemon. It's still running. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's still going. I mean, I was watching that when I was a kid. So I'm uh, I'm so nerdy. I'm still I decided to rewatch it because um, I'm a completionist. Nice. So, yeah, I was like, I'm going to finish this. And I tried to watch black and white on Netflix and I couldn't get over Ash's voice. I just couldn't. So I think when I get to a certain point, I'm going to have to start watching it in Japanese. Is that when it changed then? Yeah. And they've changed uh, the voice actor for Ash quite a bit, but I think because, and it's nothing wrong with the voice that they're doing or the voice actress. It's just because I have Veronica Taylor so ingrained in my head Yeah, that it's hard to get over. Yeah. If you have a love for the original voice and you kind of you know fell in love with it and it became almost a friend voice you know right then I guess you just can't help it can you yeah so I think it at a certain point right now um I'm probably a good 300 episodes in I'm something ridiculous that's amazing but I want to see I know I tried to do this again when I was in college and I got to the point where Misty left and I got ticked at that because Misty's one of my favorite characters oh yeah and then I didn't even know she left yeah, but she was, I've been looking it up because Ash has a couple different girl companions. Apparently now he's like Doctor Who, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but he had a couple different girl companions, but he stayed with Misty the longest. I think like she stays until season six or seven. And I want to say that they're on like season 13 and he goes through, I know, another four girls at least. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so she she's definitely got the longest running, but I quit watching when she left out of anger <laughs> I, Our rage, I rage quit the anime <laughs> you rage quit anime that's awesome awesome so i have a nice fun question to finish off with if, <laughs> if you could hang out with anyone alive or dead real or fictional who would it be real or fictional yeah so oh. like a whole world of people you could pick yeah. one of each if you want one real one fictional or a top three if, if i had to pick somebody real to hang out with dead or alive i would have to say I'd probably pick Robin Williams. Oh, good choice. Yeah. It was between him or the Dalai Lama. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he won. Oh, gosh, my priorities are so messed up. <laughs> but I would love to talk to him just about acting and all kinds of stuff. I'm sure he'd be incredibly bored by the conversation. <laughs> but I would love to talk to him. Fictional? Boy. Um, man. Uh, I love Harry Potter. So I'd like to talk to him. I don't yeah, know. that'd be an interesting conversation. That would be like, teach me magic and go. Well, like grown-up Harry Potter, or just finished yeah, Hogwarts Harry Potter. Or... <laughs> probably, probably grown-up Harry Potter, because I had a crush. Because uh, I was the same age as Harry Potter, technically when the movie started. Yeah. Because I think Daniel Radcliffe is like a year older than me, or something. Yeah, I can't remember how old he is now, but yeah. I may have looked that up when I was 11, seeing if we could potentially be married in the future. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I grew up, you know, I didn't want to read the books, actually. Uh, I wasn't a huge, well, I I was a huge reader as a kid, but it had to catch me really quickly. So like if a book started off in mid-action or with some kind of dramatic scene going on, I would love it. And then Harry Potter started off talking about, you know, his uncle, 
the whole yeah. first chapter. So I was like, man, this is really boring. It's just talking about a guy going to going to work. And I was, you know, nine or something. So it didn't really <laughs> catch me. Uh, and then I saw the first movie and realized it was something completely different. And I went home and I read all the books. I'm still a huge Harry Potter nerd. Like I had every Halloween or every October, not always on Halloween, uh, but I have a Harry Potter themed party. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And so we get together and I make weird food that looks like food from the, the books and the movie. And I, I nerd out. I need, That's I cool. need props. <laughs> <laughs> have you been over our end of the world yet to see the Harry Potter studios? No, I want to so bad. I want to so bad. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I was a bit disappointed with Butterbeer, if I'm honest. But apart from that, really, the hype is so strong for that. I know. That's I I think maybe I just the hype was too strong for me. And then I tried Uh, it and was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I know on Pinterest, there's like all kinds of different ways you can make your own Butterbeer. Okay, that's cool. Maybe I should try that and get the consistency right. I know there's also. like, I don't think there's any alcohol in the other version. There couldn't be if they're going to sell it to kids. You know? No. <laughs> um, but I know there's some that have alcohol in them and you can make them for parties. I mean, maybe. I, how would I know that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't know anything about that. No. So. Who has Harry Potter parties as a 25-year-old adult? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, before we nerd out too much, <laughs> I won't take up any more of your time. But thank you so much, Rachel. It's been awesome having you here. Thank you so much. Take it easy and we'll keep an eye out for all these games that come oh, out. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Sound Architect podcast. We really appreciate that. And we just want to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Dehumanizer 2 by the guys at Krotos. Fantastic piece of software. And we hope that you join us again soon.